clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure. Where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Doc, so I was the one stricken with illness this week. (laughs) I love that you're not dramatic at all. Stricken with illness. I was dying. I was on my deathbed. I bet you are hard when you're sick. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't do well when I'm ill, all right? And even my Uh, wife was like, man, you are drama, drama when you're sick. I'm like, you don't know me. And we are back, folks, here at the University of Pleasure. I am recovering. I don't want anyone to panic. It was dodgy there for a little while for me. Um, I saw a light. I almost went towards it. Um, but then I pulled myself back because I said, I have too much then to you, do. Then you realize, then you realize you accidentally had the flashlight on your iPhone on and you were like, oh shit. <laughs> How did you know that? Get out of my brain. Yeah. <laughs> See, see, look at laugh. this. This is, I can't I even feel laugh. like this is a, a performance. It is not I, a no, performance. I'm just How just dare kidding. you? How I'm dare you kidding. mock my pain? Sick. Anyway. It's good I'm to be sorry back. You were, I'm sorry you were sick. I'm glad you're Thank feeling you, a little doc. better. Thank you. It is good to be back. It is good to see you. Have you been having a nice summer? Have you been enjoying it? Well, you know, I got COVID for like a solid two weeks of it. Uh, but it was, yeah, I mean, uh, it's been okay. It's been a busy summer. Okay. It's been a crazy summer. But okay. yeah, good good enough. All right, hot. well, good. Good hot. enough. Yes, good it enough. is very, hot. very hot out there. But well, I'll take it. I'll take it. I live in a cold, cold tundra. So yes, you I'm do. Just, I'll store it all in like a little battery and I'll just use it to get me through six more months. Absolutely. Well, in your case, like nine more months, it's nine, 10 months. It it snows there. It snows there for 10 months. Then the sun comes out for like a month. The rest of that time is rain. So you get like a good solid 30 days out of the year of like sunshine. I mean, it's at least 45 so all right it's all at right. least Maybe my math is a little off <laughs> but announcements about announcements don't forget the amy book is out there by myself and autumn karen check it out throw up some great reviews and if you don't like it tell nobody i'm still upset about that one review i just uh, want to find out who wrote it because it was so if mean. i've learned any if i've learned anything about you it's really the 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 ease with which you take criticism 100 <laughs> percent. i'm i'm always open for criticism i'm always here for it i'm open we, and i'm ready to learn off 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 the recording at some point we should really talk about what do you see as criticism if you're saying you're I, okay this isn't about it. me and you can't therapize <laughs> me you, because we're friends defining okay? critique you can't you can't we can't do this because you're not my doctor and that does i have sandy for that i can also literally just have conversations with you i don't you know, know if it makes me feel comfortable anyway the, def- the defense mechanism of 
if I don't like it, we can't have conversations. And I'm going to say it's because you're not my therapist. <laughs> Do you say that to like your wife? Like you're not my therapist, so we can't talk about this. No, right I've never said that. How dare you? How dare you? Never in a million years. And honey, don't refute that in the comment section. Anyway, <laughs> so please do not forget to send us a message or an email. We would love to hear from our fans. As always, uh, could have been better sex story or just a great sex story. We'd love to hear from you. So, Doc, what's that phone number again? That phone number is 917-382-0653. Excellent. Send us a voicemail. Let us know how you're doing. Today. Or a DM. And Instagram. Oh, yeah. Really, whatever way of communication is most useful and you are actually able to do. Yeah, absolutely. Check it out. We got moderators. Woo, that was a tough one. Moderators (laughs) for that sort of thing that will alert us and then we'll talk to you and we'll go back and forth. It'll be really fun stuff. Um, So today's episode. I love one second real quick. What? When you say moder- moderators, do you mean you or I on a lunch break? Yes. Where we very swiftly look at. <laughs> yes. I'm t- okay. That's what, yeah. I mean, come on. We, a little bit just, of an illusion for our audience, for our millions of fans out there, Doc, that it's not just, you know, a mom and I believe pop in shop authentic- here. I believe, I believe in authenticity. It's just <sighs> Doc, you or I. you really do at. not understand <laughs> entertainment. You don't understand it. We've got to keep up the illusion. That I don't think anyone's buying the illusion. How but... dare you? We have, we have constructed a really <laughs> amazing illusion that we're an empire here (laughs) okay well let's proceed i'm excited about today's uh segment here i don't know if i'm excited actually i'm excited scared well you shouldn't be because you asked me to come up with these and all you ever do when we've ever done this is ruin these moments for me so ruin them i talk about them in uh you know multi-dynamic ways doc i carry guilt because of this specific segment okay i carry guilt in my heart and i literally don't like i feel badly for for rocky now and like the movie itself because of what he did to adrian was so inappropriate which i thought back in the day was like oh that's such a beautiful scene look they came together and you're like nope that's he trapped her in he a room. trapped her in a room and wouldn't let her leave and even though she kind of said no he said that's okay and i was like it devastated me okay so i but also but also when you thought about it in a you know this time period light you maybe went i mean yeah that's fair you probably shouldn't trap people in rooms no of course you shouldn't but Mm -hmm. you know i didn't (laughs) see this is why i carry guilt in my heart for this historical context is important all right so our first scene do you want to call it's do you want to tell people what the the segment's called you're killing me all right go ahead you tell them this is Sex Scene Sabotage, which it's lovingly been named Sex Scene Sabotage, in which Jeremiah picks out two sex scenes, one in which he thinks is a really good sex scene, and the other in which he thinks is maybe a not so good sex scene. And then we talk about them. And Jeremiah feels and has felt that I am sabotaging scenes that he really enjoys, which is why it is now titled Sex Scene Sabotage. Okay, first of all, you're not sabotaging. You ruin them. There's like, there's like sabotage. This is, they're destroyed What do you think sabotage me. means? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a thesaurus or a dictionary. Okay, like I'm just saying ruined is more apt in my opinion. Well, it doesn't sound as good to call sex scenes ruined. <laughs> well, it's a little more truthful for me, okay? That's my truth. So the first scene. Now, technically, this is not a sex scene, but it was definitive in my life, which is why I was nervous to bring it to the table because I really don't want it ruined. But 
because it was so influential in my life as a young cisgender male that I thought I would share it. I'm putting my heart on the table. Good. I, I love vulnerability. Let's do okay. this. Okay. Very, very vulnerable for me. It takes place uh, in, I believe it was 1984. Uh, came out on uh, HBO and I was watching HBO late one night and it was from an Academy Award considered movie, National Lampoon's European Vacation. Okay. Was that considered for a... For me, it was. Okay. <laughs> it was considered by you by for me. an Academy. When you I were how old? an Oscar. 84? How old were you, Jeremiah? I was five years old. Okay. You were really hip on the scene already. All I right. really was. I was in tune. Okay. <laughs> And uh, so in this incredible piece of artistry, some of Chevy Chase's best work, in my humble opinion, okay, they go to Europe and they're all excited and all these crazy things happen. Now, finally, the son, Rusty, has an opportunity, and I believe they're in like Holland or something like that, where... They are literally uh, him and like this like Dutch w young girl go out and they're like making out behind a restaurant and they're really hot and heavy, right? They're really hot and heavy. And then all of a sudden she pulls away from him and smiles and starts unbuttoning her top and then just exposes her breasts and kind of puts her hands on her hips and Rusty just starts chuckling and goes, oh, my God. And then his head falls backwards. That's the first scene, Doc. Okay. Why did you like that scene? I was mesmerized by it as a little boy. Like, I was like, that's something that happens? Like, that's a thing? Like, you know, at five, I didn't really understand. But I went back to that scene many, many times as I was growing up. It was very influential in my life, Okay. She had very beautiful breasts. She was a very beautiful woman who was playing this character in, in the To film. you, beautiful to, to me. you. Be beautiful to me. Beautiful to me, in my opinion, okay? So when she exposed herself to him, uh, I didn't even know that that was a thing that happened as I got older and you learn a little bit more and you see a little bit more in life. You're like, oh, that's something that could possibly happen, right? Now, here's the crux of it, though she exposes herself to him and you know he doesn't help her undress or anything like that and as we're getting ready to do sex scene sabotage here i was like now all of these different questions are whirling around in my brain because i've talked to you so much and i'm like did she do something improper in that moment did she did she was she not supposed to was she supposed to ask permission to expose herself like that to him in this uh, moment because he didn't he didn't help her undress she didn't like take his hands and like help undress her so then i got confused and i'm like well i have to bring it up now cuz <laughs> because now i don't know and this is totally real the doc did not know i was saying this, no. this story because it was such like it was so beautiful to me. Like, even at five years old, I'm like, this is beautiful. Like, not just her, but like the physical act of what was happening. They were kissing. It was very passionate, you know. And even at a young age, you can understand that kind of, you know, kissing and touching is a good thing, right? 
But then for her to just pull back, and I mean, it takes a, a good few seconds for her to like slowly unbutton each button and then just burnt and fully expose her breasts and like present them to him. And then he kind of chuckles, like I said, and goes, oh my God, and gets head back, right? So tell me, Doc, am I still allowed to enjoy this scene? Am I, am I still allowed to, like, the little boy inside me, am I still allowed to think that it's beautiful I don't, and sexy? I don't, or... I don't really think that I'm the one to decide if anyone should get to enjoy anything, but I don't really think I'm that important or have that much power. However, what can I just say? I am I am swelling with pride. I think, I'm going to tell you why. I'm swelling with pride. Not because I've made you question everything you've ever thought, but a little bit of me is. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) A little part of me is swelling with pride that I've made you. This was from like when I was five, girl. Like, come on. Like, I I literally was like, what scene can I, oh my God. Like the one scene that like really like, I mean, you know, you don't have a lot of memories. Let's be real for a second, okay? You don't have a lot of memories from before you're like around eight. Around eight is like when you kind of, they start kind of kicking in. Seven, eight, you have a little awareness, you know? You start knowing kind of things. I mean, you have little flashes maybe, right? But like this was, I was five years old and this was so definitive in my mind. And then my dad would tape HBO like to watch movies so we could watch them later because, you know, there were no commercials. And so then we had it on VHS and I could rewind it and replay it. Man, I burned a hole in that tape, Doc. And that just that one specific scene. But I mean, now yeah. I think back on it and you're like sex scene sabotage. I have no choice but to say it. Did she do something wrong? Am I wrong for thinking uh, it was okay? And I no, don't you're not okay. No, I don't think finding something arousing is a side note, right? Like when people watch something and they find it arousing, that's kind of an automatic response. To tell somebody that they're wrong for finding something arousing wouldn't be a very fair thing to say, right? Because that's sort of a, I guess, yeah, automatic kind of intuitive response that people have to things, right? People find things all arousing all the time that they might be really uncomfortable with, right? Or could be like, ooh, I found that arousing and I wish I didn't. But the reality is, is if you could help it, like a, if it was like a light switch and you could turn it on and turn it off, then sometimes people would do that. So separately, right? Like generally speaking, I would say I, I would never be the person to be like, you're wrong if you found that arousing. Cause I don't actually really believe in that concept. What I believe in is that people, we have, you know, reactive sexualities to things in which we might be like, that turned me on. And then sometimes we might need to figure out like, what do we want to do with that? Do I want to continue to engage in that or go like down that path or like really expand upon that? And lots of times doing that might be perfectly fine for somebody. And sometimes it's like, "Ah, this is taking me down a route. I don't want to go right. right, Where it feels like harmful to me or someone else, but that's like kind of a separate dialogue. So, so that's just, but that's important to say, we are not here to judge your arousal to a scene jeremiah i don't know <laughs> it's I literally mean... it's literally just talking about like you know like these are the things that like help define the sexuality of america right like films movies you know what i mean like these are a part of the cultural yes, a fabric. part of our cultural the cultural yeah. fabric and and frankly like part of what has influenced uh, sexuality in this culture which is you know why why talk about sex scenes in movies? Well, because they're they're influential and they influence people in certain ways. You remember it. You were yeah. five years old and you still Oof. remember it. Remember it um, like it was yesterday, Doc. Right. 
But part, if I may return, part of the reason that I'm I'm swelling with pride beyond that I've made you so anxious you can't enjoy anything anymore. Yeah, truth, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like I can't. Like a, I, a sex scene comes on in a movie and I start going like, you know, oh, was there consent proper here? Was it? Okay. One? So I, while I do not want to ruin your enjoyment, I really don't want to enjoy or have you like questioning yourself uh, in like, is there something wrong with me if I'm finding this arousing? Because that would not be the message I'd want to send to anybody. What I do feel proud of is this critical thinking around a scene, right? Like you watched a scene and rather than just be like, I mean, if I feel like in episode seven, if we would have done this, right? We've done over a hundred episodes, by the way. Yeah. I don't know when our hundredth episode was, but we should have like celebrated it or done Woo! something. Woohoo! We did it. All right. I mean, I don't even know what we're on now. <laughs> but like, if we would have done this episode seven, I would, and I could be wrong because I can't accurately guess the past, but the you would have been like, it was hot. What's the deal? Right? Without even questioning really like, what? Oh, how are people behaving? And were they behaving in ways that maybe involved consent and involved, you know, sort of uh, like uh, behaviors that seem wanted by both people, right? The fact that you stopped and you thought about it. Now, I wish it wouldn't fill you with so much anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that you thought about that critically and gave it a minute, that's what makes me excited. Because I just want you to think about something, Jeremiah. If culturally... All of us just gave it a second and went, is this okay? Is this is this all right? Even if we didn't know, but if we just even gave that pause, do you think we would be living in a different culture sexually? And yeah, have as many problems? I mean, yeah, I hear you. I'm right. I'm here for it. I'm here so for what it. So I'm, what I'm excited about is the critical thinking, right? Like that pause and going, huh, let me question this for a second. But I would just because like to say to our audience, I've always been a deep thinker. And a critical thing. What? How dare you laugh? How dare you? I'm not. I'm not laughing at that. It's just whenever someone announces that they are something, <laughs> it feels. I am. I have always been a deep thinker. Usually, I don't know that one would need to pronounce that. Okay, fine. Continue with your thoughts. Um, just saying. But. In this scene specifically, all right. So I just I feel very proud of you, Jeremiah, for taking that pause and thinking about it. Um, Thank you. Do you think I'm being fair? Maybe you don't think I'm. Do you think I'm being fair that perhaps episode seven you would have maybe been like, ah, she's going to find something wrong with this, but maybe not have given it as much pause. Listen, and this is in all seriousness, and making no jokes here for our millions of fans around the world. I am grateful for this podcast because it has opened my eyes to things that I would have never thought about before. And it has often had me stop to give pause in certain situations and think about things in a different way. And and though, I'll be honest with you, it makes me a little uncomfortable sometimes because, you know, it's just like life in general. People are like, I don't want to screw it up, you know, but... Mm-hmm. It, it is a good thing, and you are right. Probably episode seven, I would have been like, "You're crazy!" Like that's just nope. Like, mm-hmm. but the reality is now I, I think about those things a little bit more, and I do take a moment to pause. And pause is not a bad thing. It might make me a little uncomfortable here and there, but you are correct. Thank I you, Jeremiah. Thank you. Which is why I feel, you know, like this is the whole point, right? Is all of us continuing to grow and learn together? Now. To your your question, again, I'm not the judge and jury on this, but I do appreciate that you were thinking about like the consent piece within this interaction. 
I, I mean, different people could look at it from different angles. To me, what that sounds like, that scene, right? And I vaguely, I saw European Vacation like 20 years ago. It's like classic. I, it's a like classic I barely, I'm not going to lie. If we're talking about National Lampoon's, it, Christmas Vacation was always the one that well, of I course, was. Of course, of course. Played every uh, year anyway, yeah. Yeah, it was like a, a family tradition to watch it on Christmas Eve. Um, but I could give you all the lines in that movie. We I'm will sure not. you could. <laughs> but, um, but the that piece sounds actually just like uh, to me um and so i apologize because i haven't watched the scene recently sounds more like a progression of a, a sexual encounter right so like in a sexual encounter right like consent is is often given in the beginning and and sometimes then there's sort of this this um kind of progressive consent that occurs throughout and sometimes it's just sort of you know we've talked a lot about like with consent like it's not just verbal communication but sometimes physical like physical nonverbal communication right like physical communication um is the person seeming uncomfortable or are they not as far as what you're describing it seems like what rusty right rusty it seems, it seems like rusty was pretty consensually there for it, if I'm yeah, he's, understanding he, I mean, the tone, yeah, yeah. the tone of it. And so, to me, like if you've got somebody that seems like I'm starting to unbutton my blouse and I'm looking to you, do you seem uncomfortable or pretty excited about what I'm doing? Okay, now I mean that's not to say that you, if you're really like unsure about the person you're being sexual with, if you want to be like hey is this okay like you know that's always a, a nice thing to do a polite thing to do but i do appreciate that you also thought about it from the other gender perspective right because we do have this cultural narrative that like like especially cisgender men are the only ones that can cross boundaries around consent and that's not real at all right across the gender spectrum people can see i boundaries. told you i was a deep thinker and that's proof <laughs> right there because i thought about it from like the opposite perspective of like did she do something improper here because rusty didn't you know she didn't take his hands to like help and you know and i was like because because women can cross a line too it's not just men right am i no. that's what you're saying so continue yeah i'm saying anybody it doesn't matter your gender anybody can your gender doesn't protect you from crossing a line and and in particular i would say in like a heterosexual dynamic um there have been lots of problematic sort of um belief systems around like men are not like uh, particularly cisgender men but i would say anyone male identified like that they are not able to be victims of sexual abuse and in reality Lots of male-identified people are victims of sexual abuse, statistically speaking. Um, and part of that is because we just, <clears throat> we don't need to get all, like, narratives around masculinity and who can be abused and who can not. Yeah, let's not go down a rabbit hole. I just want to make sure that, It's a longer dialogue for another day. I just want to make sure that I can still watch National Lives European <laughs> Vacation. That's my goal I mean, here. to me, it sounds, to me, it sounds like there was uh, communicated consent, but through more nonverbal means. And again, I haven't seen the video, but... If I may, like, it is so interesting to me, like, how many, how m movies and film and scenes like that, like, really, like, people's memories hold on to oh, so, man. so well. Like, a lot of people, like, if, you know, I do a lot of sex histories with people, and I'll be like, when's the, when's the first time you remember, like, being aroused, or, like, what are some of the first things you remember about your sexuality? And they're often like... I remember watching this movie and I was little, right? Or like this scene in a film or something and I was wrapped by it. Yeah. Like I just, yeah. right? Like I, I, it stood out to me and I don't necessarily know exactly why it stood out to me. Like at the time, right? As a five-year-old, you probably didn't know exactly why, 
right? You yep. didn't have like a formulated idea about your sexuality, but there was something about it that was really appealing and in its own way, I guess, arousing. And that it's really interesting too, the way that this is just more sex nerdery, right? But like the way in which sometimes too, that also influences people's kind of sexual templating, right? Like the things that people find arousing as youth sometimes continue on in their journey. Yeah. Yep. Sure. <laughs> right? Like uh sort of the things that we attach to. So to to me, like a lot of times those those sorts of scenes and films or movies like can actually play a really like uh meaningful developmental role in someone's sexuality. Now I say that and I'm not being extremist about it like because that, here's how I don't want it to be interpreted. If your kid sees a sex scene in a movie, now this is forever going to define their sexuality. No, yeah, come on. Now. And I say that because people are legitimately worried about that. However, this scene specifically Jeremiah to me does it sounds like it was a consensual experience as far as I can tell. But All right. All I'll, right. I can but it still does seem enjoy to me like this that, movie. One of the things that sounds like may have been for that would be for many people arousing about that scene is to a certain degree, uh, the female identified character being in a more sexually dominant or assertive role. Oh, yeah, that was what was so beautiful about it. I mean, even to this day was that like Rusty wasn't doing anything because he was, you know, it was a little out of his, uh, you know, he, he's he was he, learning. He was learning. Right. And that she was a little <clears throat> bit more experienced. And so he like leans back and for her to completely expose herself to him in that moment and take the initiative to do that to be like i would like to present you know my body to you kind of a like a way i'm just describing it was in the scene i don't know what their motivation was but <laughs> you know like it was very arousing because it was you know normally scenes like this it would always be a man like fumbling or trying to undress her or something like that you know but here it, she was like step back son let me take care of business here and uh, very arousing, especially as like, a young boy, like that can happen. Well, and I think that that's a really, and honestly, I would say across sexual orientations, like I think that that, not for all people by any stretch, but that can be like a really arousing, like um, dynamic, like sexual dynamic. I, I guess I would almost call it a bit of like a student teacher yeah. sort of dynamic where there is one party that's more experienced than the other party and is sort of showing the other person the ropes to a certain degree. I think that that's like a really common erotic theme. Like you see it in pornography a lot yeah um and so there's something about that dynamic that just i think is inherently also to a number of people you know if you go on Pornhub, you're going to find a lot of themes <laughs> like that right that like somebody that's really more empowered teaching somebody that's kind of still learning but that seems to be a, a sexy hot sort of fantasy for a lot of people so also like that dynamic of that scene is part of why i would also imagine that maybe stuck out okay you know? all right well when we come back folks I got a one. I'm in another one here. He's going to throw a little curveball to the dock. <clears throat> we'll be right back. And we are back, folks. Taking the deep dive journey down the old 1980s, early 90s rabbit holes of Jeremiah's favorite sex scenes. So the doc can ruin them. Although the last one yet. she did not ruin. Ah, see, I had a caveat there, doc. Well, and it's not my goal to ruin them. It's my goal to discuss mm -hmm. them thoughtfully. There's a part of you that enjoys knowing that I can never watch Rocky again. <laughs> see, there's the smile. You can watch it. I just want you to think about the scene and put it in a different context. Yeah. 
Okay, so our <clears throat> next scene for you, Doc, comes from the one and only Madonna. That's right, oh. folks. Madonna. From the amazing movie Body of Evidence with the super duper sexy William Defoe. I couldn't even finish that statement. I yeah, he's got it, you know, he might be really sexy to some people. He does have a specific look. He has a very unique look. <clears throat> I love him as an actor uh and uh incidentally, uh, William Defoe, if you'd like to come on the University of Pleasure and you'd like to talk to us about uh, unique looks and how that applies to sexuality, maybe we can do an episode like that. What do you think, doc? <laughs> I mean, sure. I don't I think the the way that we began that, I don't know if he's going to be super inclined to do All so. Right. Well, but... I was just putting it out there because I am always open for new guests. So, that being said, this scene takes place in a dark room. It is uh, by a fireplace. And there's hot candle wax. Now, here's the thing with this scene, Doc. What's a movie? It's called Body of Evidence. Did you say that? And I missed it. I probably didn't say it, but that okay. the, the, it's body of evidence. So the, 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 what is that? The, like the 90s Madonna movie? Yeah, it's a 1990s Madonna movie. I want to say like mm, like 93-ish. Was that part of like when she was like still trying to shock people, but people were like, we're not really all that shocked anymore? I don't know that it was she was trying to. I think that she was trying. Listen, I think. I mean, she's an icon. Don't get me wrong. She's absolutely. Was this, she's, she's, of course she's an icon. This, there was this period of time in which it, it was a little like. I'm doing shocking things, but then after a point, it was like, well, they're not really shocking anymore because you've been doing them for a little bit. Right. I think was it the was, beginning was, or end of that? I think it's the end. I think what this really was was uh, this was when she was really trying to be like a movie actress, you know? Okay. And uh, not too long after, like Dick Tracy and and pre then, or post Evita though, because that it's pre Evita, pre Evita. Okay. okay, but this was when she was like trying to build up her repertoire, and uh, you know. Things like Basic Instinct had been a massive hit. I mean, I could do a whole episode on sex scenes based on Basic Instinct. The, the famous leg cross, like that was definitive in my life. Like there were so many parts of the early 90s like that. And I think that, you know, maybe she was trying to do a little Sharon Stone. It kind of like his thing happened. It was like, you know, that movie came out. Then there was this movie. There was, you know how like Hollywood does that? Like they kind of like box up. There's like a, one one movie studio does it and then four other movie studios do mm -hmm. like a version of it. That was kind of what had happened in this time period. It was a boom for erotica in the early 90s. <laughs> okay. So anyway. I think too, I think if I could be wrong, and this is maybe me just totally making this up. I think weren't there maybe shifts in how we did ratings? How we did what? ratings like movie ratings oh like sure that, yeah like, there was yeah there was r and <clears throat> nc17 like i think we made some shit like you know what i mean like what you could show in theaters but yeah. like i i could be completely wrong there's going to be someone that knows so much about movies that comes on as like or writes us and is like you have no idea what you're talking about yeah, but no, i feel absolutely. like there was i feel like there was like this kind of nc17 almost like movement but i can't remember if it was that it was right before they shifted that. So you get away with more with an R, but I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't really remember that. I was just <laughs> in it for the content, really, not the social awareness. Uh, but, uh, you know, from what I recall of the days, it was a boom time, you know, because then it was like Showgirls and all these other movies were out there that were, you know, very sexual in nature. What wild things? Wild things. That I think that's was, more late. I think that Showgirls and Wild Things are late nineties. Well, I think Showgirls was strong ninety five. 
Okay. Well, okay. Wow, you really are familiar. <laughs> I'm very familiar. Okay, very. Fam- I can tell you stories about all these things, but here's the thing: Madonna is an icon for many, many reasons, and one of, and I think I mentioned this in another episode, but we've done over a hundred, so I don't. Maybe I didn't, but one of the most iconic images of like sexuality to me was that very famous poster of Madonna that you could buy at like Hot Topic or Oz or, you know, uh, uh, Spencer's Virgin, Gifts. Virgin music. And it's like where she's like standing there, her hands are up in her hair and she's got pasties that are like, uh, like uh, jewels over her nipples. And then she's in like a jeweled thong. It's like the most, to this day, one of the most iconic beautiful sexy images of my entire life like just i remember that full stop okay it was a great poster okay so she does this movie and she's going to be naked in this movie so of course i have no choice but i have to go see it (laughs) no choice i had to honey i did it i doc i did it for the research okay it was purely for research that i didn't know i was going to need 20 some years later so here we are very famous scene William Defoe and her. Little light bondage. She kind of ties William Defoe up. There's a little fire going, all this other stuff, right? Now you watched the scene, Doc, so you know what I'm talking about here, right? Yeah, this one I'm vaguely aware of. I, I wouldn't say that I've like really dug into that scene, but yeah, okay. I'm vaguely aware of it. So she ties him up and she's kind of in charge. Throughout the sh- movie, there's a lot of scenes where she's into voyeurism and there's filming and like watching through the cracks and all this kind of stuff, which as we all know, your old pal, Jeremiah James digs that sort of thing. That's part of my thing. I like that. Okay. So I didn't know that at the time that that was my jam, but you know, now it's kind of my jam. So here we are in the scene. Why are you giving me this blank stare? No, like I'm just what listening. I, what I just I'm just said, listening. Like I just, this you know, is my I'm, listening face. That is not your listening face. I that know your listening, listening face. face. Please. I don't I, I go and I say something. I pour my heart out for you and you just give me a blank I really, stare. This reaction, it really was just me listening. It's whatever. <laughs> anyway, so the fire's going. William Defoe is getting tied up. Okay. Say my sexy voice. William Defoe is getting tied up. And then she gets some candles. But here's the thing. It doesn't look very safe to me. Now that I know what I know about kink and light BDSM and stuff, right? And William Defoe seems like he's in a lot of pain throughout this little sequence with candle wax, hot dripping candle wax. Now, if I remember correctly, Doc, aren't there special candles for that type of fun? Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, whenever you're going to engage, and I think this is part of that, whenever you're going to engage in like pain play, right, in particular, yeah, you kind of want to be like, what are the tools that we're using for this pain play? And is everyone cool with the tools, right? right? right and so right, like right, a, can- right. a candle would be one of them. And they do make, and some people don't know this. Yeah, like they make candles that um, basically like burn at a lower temperature. So the wax is like skin safe, meaning like it's not going to get hot enough that it'll pull your fucking skin off. Sorry to swear. <laughs> but yeah. but um, the the... The reality is that like, you know, you can play with candles and people play with wax all the time, but like there have been some people that have been like real injured from like a super hot candle and you just, you know, like it'll yank that skin right off and you can get, you know, pretty bad burns if you don't know what you're doing. And you definitely would want somebody to be like, 
if they're like, yeah, I want a higher pain, I have a higher pain threshold, I'm okay with that risk. That's like more risk aware kink, right? When you address the risk. So here's my question. So this is the scene, you've seen the scene, you're aware of the scene. But now my question is, is it not really, I mean, obviously it's fantasy. Obviously these things, you know, now that I'm not, and I'm watching the scene now, right? There's no prep. Nobody's talking about nothing. Nobody's saying like, it's all good. Like, hey, you good with this? You good with that? Nobody's like, hey, are you got, you got a high pain threshold there, William Defoe? You don't mind if I use some high test candles? on you like yeah. uh, what's your safe word so I'm like remembering too scene... in that scene the kit those candles like the flames are like seven inches oh higher. they're I mean, huge they're, like they're really... massive they look like torches yeah, you know and so i'm like sitting here watching the scene again as i was prepping for the episode to present this to you and i'm thinking to myself this this all seems like bad news and now like the, the whole bonification that i used to get from the scene <laughs> is me being like well they're not practicing safe uh bdsm or kink, kink, play, and kink or, yeah. play like nobody they where was the scene before that was them saying things like well okay i just want you to know that this could be blah 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 and then you know because as we've learned here at the university of pleasure prepping and and knowing that you know what you're getting into and having safe <clears throat> words are all real important things so talk to me, Doc. Am I yeah. far off the base here? Am I just so, now all fantasy is ruined for me because I I understand you that know too much. I know you too, think much. too much. Can think, I go back? Think about. To I just want you to think about it. Think about what happens to me when I watch a scene. <laughs> How all do right? you do it? How do you do it? It's just well because okay so. To some degree, right? Like the more you know, right, is the more that you like question a thing. Right. Like, and I think I once made a joke, right? And it was a stupid joke, and I, I didn't get nearly the laugh that I wanted to, right? Was sure, that like sure. when I watch a sex scene, it's like a entomologist watching Spider Man, right? <laughs> like somebody that that works with bugs. Um, you to a certain degree, right? Like you just have a different lens. And I also think not even someone like myself that like works in sexual health, I think that like, the more we do talk and like create narratives around things like consent and like safe sex, like safer sex practices and that and I don't just mean that from like an STI perspective, I mean it from like a safer sex practice around like, hey, if you're going to be engaging in sexual behaviors that might cause pain or risk of harm in some kind of physical way, or emotional, uh, psychological, like, eh, have some conversations about that. And I think part of one of the things that that does then is it does, you know, cause us to maybe look at things with a little bit of a new light. But I, you know, I also believe in this idea of like, that doesn't need to be the whole thing you're doing while you're watching the scene of a movie, right? Being like, like there's a difference between noticing it and ruining it. Right. <laughs> does that make right. sense? Yes. And that's because where that's, they, that's the balance I'm trying to find here. Yeah. I think that like, um, like for the most part, and this is uh, a little bit tricky is being able to like, you know, when you watch a, a Marvel movie yeah. film, right? And you can suspend disbelief a little bit. You can, you know, and it's kind of annoying to watch a movie that's like high, like fantasy or sci-fi with somebody's like, well, that would never happen in real life. You know right. I mean? Yeah. Like, shut up. I'm here for the well, fantasy. Yeah. I think that like for me, it's like, okay, like balancing uh, fantasy against like being able to then place that in real life. So if we take a scene like this. It's a hot scene. I remember this scene, right? Like they, you know, it's hot. They're doing fun, sexy stuff. There's a lot of like, interestingly, 
we were talking about, like, there's a lot of, I would say, like, uh, femme dominance, right? Like, sure. dominance from someone who's female identified and, like, um, that that's a theme that a lot of people seem to enjoy and they like. And there's a lot of uh, Madonna's characters, I would say, highly sexually assertive. Yes, very assertive. <laughs> highly sexually assertive seems to know what she likes knows what she wants and like don't get me wrong like watching that is that's not, those are often very arousing or hot things for people to watch right and so it's like yeah enjoy that enjoy that fantasy watch that fantasy and at the same time be able to step away and go and in real time that would need to look different and i think where people run into struggles is when they can't separate the two Right. And they they are like, well, that's they're they're maybe and usually it's not like conscious. People aren't like, I will only do things the way that I see them in movies and films and pornography, right? But it's just they're not engaging in maybe some critical thinking about it. And to be fair to some people, a lot of people haven't had the opportunity to because we don't talk very productively a lot about sex culturally and different right. people have different right, access right, right, to right, sex right, education. Right, right. So part of what happens then is for some folks they watch a, a scene about candles and they go, I'm going to do that to my partner, <laughs> right? That's hot. Yeah. Or I want my partner to do Well, sometimes it might be like, I want my partner to do that to me. Hey, I want you to put a candle. And then you got two people that maybe haven't researched it much or don't know much about it. Or like they didn't, they didn't really talk about it and it becomes part of play. And then somebody maybe gets hurt because there wasn't any dialogue. And so I think it's this, it's trying to find this like sweet spot between an, Hey, in, enjoy that fantasy scene just in the way that you would enjoy like the fantasy of Star Wars, you know, sure. <laughs> like sure. it's fantasy, but also being able to understand that that's fantasy. Like there's elements of that, that if you put it in real time would need to look different and ideally would look different. Like you would have some, like, I think William Defoe, she like kind of uses the belt on him and puts yeah. his, right. Like, like you're putting bondage in and you're putting hot candles in and all of that stuff. Yeah. You'd want some conversations. Yeah. But you think those, so? those things are often not a part of films, sometimes books, things like that, because they don't feel as sexy, right? Like that's the stuff that's edited out. So, and so what you're saying is I can watch this scene and I can enjoy it and I can suspend disbelief much like, you know, Obviously, there really isn't an Iron Man who can fly and has all those weapons. So I have to just kind of I can imagine to myself that maybe they did the prep work in a scene that just isn't there. You know, yeah. that, that and, and that everybody's safe and everybody's OK. And I can just imagine that it's fantasy and understand that there are differences that that that, that you know, this scene is not showing anything improper to you other than the fact that they're using highly dangerous torch candles okay. crazy hot wax but i can suspend my disbelief in moments like these but it's good to have the awareness that there's possibly you know if this was real life you would want to have a conversation before you burn somebody with hot candles and 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 the awareness piece is the part of culturally what I mean, it's the whole point of this podcast and a lot of other, you know, sex ed resources. And I mean, that's what's needing to be shifted, right? Like, it's hard to have that awareness if people aren't talking about or having more thoughtful conversations about sex and sexuality, right? And also as an aside, like, in movies and film, we have a very narrow 
really, it's a pretty narrow presentation of fantasy. And so that also is part of the struggle in which people are like, well, these must be the things that other people think are hot, but I don't find them hot. What's wrong with me? There you and go. so part of, part of this is about sex education. And then there's another piece that's also about representation, right? And that's about expanding the types of sex people have in movies and films and in media and the things that we're like, this is also an okay type of sex, right? And this is also, you know, like, yeah, and yeah. these bodies are different, like that these dialogues, I think people get like, I don't know, I think a little tense about dialogues around the idea of representation and why and why is representation important. But part of why it's important too is, is that, you know, if you're only presenting to the world this very narrow view of like who gets to have sex and what that sex is supposed to look like, that is going to inform how people feel about their sexualities because a lot of people aren't going to fit that and they're that's not going right. to fit on that screen. Uh, all right. And that's part of what facilitates frankly, problematic, uh, actually, like it, it, it can impact things on a number of levels, but like problematic sexual behavior or like feelings of sexual shame or just disorganized sexual behavior. So education and representation actually tend to be really important. And then it becomes easier to be like, oh, I can, I can enjoy that scene in a movie because I know that that's fantasy. And then when I put it in real time, I understand that that might need to look different or that would look different for me. Or See, whatever this is mean. brilliant to me because now I feel like I, I, I can breathe <laughs> a little bit here because it really were with the education comes the ability actually to enjoy it a little more like uh, like fantasy because like I am educated enough to know that Thor really can't, you know, the guy that plays Thor isn't real and he can't call lightning down with that hammer, yada, yada, yada. So I can just get lost in the fantasy of what it is because I'm educated enough to understand that it's not real, right? Yeah, I mean, you can also like enjoy like an action movie where people are like, there's bombs and explosions and let's be real, a ton of violence and then go, yeah, but uh, I can't be grabbing a gun and going and running through the streets right. and running on the back of a motorcycle. It's not necessarily reality. So I can enjoy the fantasy for what it is, but having the education in it helps me understand that, you know, there are other things that go into situations like these. So if we learned more about kink and we learned more about different sexual representation, that we would have a better understanding, Doc. Yeah, and it makes fantasy more fun because then you don't have to be like, I like that, what's wrong with me? Right? Yeah, right, because <laughs> like, that's how I felt. Yeah. You could have told me this in the last episode. Yeah. Part of enjoying fantasy more is also like knowing that that can just be fantasy. So, you know. All right. Well, listen, I appreciate you, Doc. Thank you for not ruining either of these scenes for me today and (laughs) ruining my late 80s or early 90s uh, sexual uh, adventures that I've learned. I, I really did learn a lot today about this. Genuinely so. Okay. So I appreciate you. I appreciate everything you've done. Thank you, Madonna. Thank you, William Defoe. Thank you, that unnamed actress that took her top off in European Vacation. I mean, totally she has a name. Mind. We just don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> I'm not just saying she's unnamed. I just I didn't look up exactly what her name is, so I apologize to you. Incidentally, if you'd ever like to come on the University of Pleasure, whoever just... this unnamed actress is, I would love to talk to you and tell you how much that scene meant to me in person here on the University of Pleasure. Thank you so much, Doc. Thank you for all you do for so many people. And we'll be talking to you all again next week don't forget to like share and subscribe to all of our social medias and i'll talk to you again next week doc bye bye
This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Feldstein. Additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.